Hello, welcome to the Grace Rancho Weekly Podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and why of our Sunday morning worship services and really all that we do as a church. I'm Michael. I'm here with Pastor Eric. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? How are you doing today? I'm doing well today. Lakers got um, upset, smashed a little bit. You weren't doing well last night. I was a little disappointed in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Didn't didn't really play very well. Yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk that's about. That's not. This is not a Lakers podcast. No, it's not. That would just make me sad to talk about that more. So let's talk about something more exciting, like like our church. Our church. Well, real quick, we have this podcast to help people understand what we do as a church, the what and the why behind things, particularly our worship services and things that go on there. Yep. And some people had a great idea. Yeah. Actually at our, our, at our, at our, uh, growth group the other night, Nicole Alton, if you're listening, shout out. She said, Hey, which, which reminds me, shout out Taylor. (laughs) So Nicole said, Hey, what if we did something like we could submit a question when we had a question about the sermon or about something about church. And I thought, hey, that's a great idea. So we decided that we'll do that. But we don't have any questions today. So we don't. If you do have a question, go ahead and email info at gracerancho.com with your question for the podcast. And we will do our best to answer all appropriate questions. Yeah. Um, they could probably just text us too, I suppose. Do we, we want might to- lose it in the text. Email info at gracerancho.com. <laughs> That's probably the easiest there way to go. do it. There you go. Send an email. Or, you know, let us know and we'll try to remember. Try to stump Michael with your if question. It's, if it's in the email, we can guarantee it's delivery though. That's right. So we're going to, we're going to see how that goes. If our inbox is flooded with emails this week. Then uh, maybe yeah, your, your question won't we, get answered right away. <laughs> we reserve final discretion as to what questions are presented on the podcast. That's true. Do you think we'll get any questions this this uh, week? Do you think we'll get one? By next Do you think one, one yeah. person and, will and send a question? You, um, I think one person for sure. Like who, Casey? Um, no. I, I think Frank might submit a question. Oh, yeah. He was the first person that came to mind. Like, yeah, Frank might have a good question. Like something Frank's he might always find got helpful good, good or thoughts. something like that. All right. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Submit your questions. Maybe they'll get answered. Info at graceranto.com. Yeah. Well, let's move on from that. Okay. Um, before hopping into this Sunday, September 20, October 27th. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's talk about the topic of kids in the worship service. We have children in our Sunday morning gatherings. We do. If they're third grade and down, they're, they have classes. Yeah. Right? But fourth grade and up, so what's that? Nine and up? Eight, ten and up? Nine, ten. Ten would be old. Nine. Um, in the service with really no other options. Like we don't have Sunday schools for them during that time. We have... We have classes for the little ones up to third grade, and then it's our service, and and that's really it. Yeah. So do we care about kids or what? We do care about kids. Um, part of our belief is that families um, 
are where things hopefully start uh, in terms of worship and things like that. So we don't, first of all, ever with youth or kids want to replace families. No. Um, that's never our goal. So we don't want to just have things just to have things. Uh, but kids in the service is a great thing and we want to encourage it um, with kids once they get to a certain age because it helps them learn what it looks like to worship as a church body um, all together. And they get to see their parents example that, yeah. exemplify that. Well, and it helps them see that that is their church. Like I've, I've been in, um, I've been a youth pastor and I've seen students who come to see their church as their youth group. Yeah. And they're, and even on Sunday morning, they, they don't go to church with the rest of the body. They go to the Sunday school with the youth group kids. And so they get kind of siloed off, isolated from the rest of the body. But one thing kids need most, especially teenagers, um, and I hope all our kids get this opportunity at our church, they need to see other godly grown-ups love mm-hmm. the Lord serving them and investing in them. Yeah, being influenced by them. Being influenced by them. Um, I remember reading a, a statistic that was um, the two main factors in the lives of, of kids that after they graduated high school, they were still walking with the Lord. The two main determinative factors um, when they were studied against the people who walked away from the Lord um, were one, parents that actually discipled their kids at home. Mm. And two, uh, these kids had other godly adults in their lives that took interest and discipled them as well, in addition to the parents doing it. Like that is such an encouragement for, for me personally as a dad to get my kids in places where other godly men and women uh, can get to know my kids um, and invest in them. And so I think put them in the Sunday service where they're seeing everyone and uh, they're a part of things is, is a big part of that. We did that in see me with our kids when they were much younger and out here. It's, it's harder when I'm the one preaching every Sunday and sometimes Ashley's in the oh, nursery. Yeah. We have no, our kids would have no parents to sit by. Um, but I'm looking forward to Emma next year. She's going to be uh, in fourth grade and she is going to be sitting with Ashley. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a great thing. Part, part of the reason, um, that we would do that with still elementary age kids uh, is exactly kind of what you're talking about. If we give people things and youth something to go to on Sunday besides our service, because we only have one service, yeah, um, they're learning, like you just talked about, that church isn't the whole body, but that church is this microcosm of my age group and my people and people that are just like me. Yeah, um, And so I think it's totally helpful and beneficial. Um, a quick note is... If you have kids third grade and below, you're welcome to bring them into church. They're Very not, true. not allowed. There's no age limit for people who can be in the service. Um, and if you want to start that earlier or you want to start that, you know, every now and then earlier to encourage your kids Feel in free. that regard, please do it. We we do not um, want to want to hinder that at all. Yeah, it's the parents' responsibility to, to raise up their kids in the Lord primarily but they're not to do it alone. Like yeah, they need completely. the church. So you can maybe even coordinate with other families. Hey, I'm going to bring my kid in on this day, you know, once a month or something, just to kind of get them ready and prepared for when they're going to be there every Sunday. Um, I was just looking, thinking of this when you're talking, Michael, 
Deuteronomy 6, mm-hmm. hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or sorry, with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It's like, we got to know the truth, love it, love the Lord. But then it's so saturating our lives that we talk about it all the time that we are just filling our children's lives with truth. I think a part of that is discipling them to understand why we have church. What, what mm-hmm. is it? And that of course would then have to mean we take them to church. So they see it, they are experiencing it. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to disciple your kids. And uh, we're going to start having a tool to help you with that. Yeah. Uh, for any kids you might have sitting in the service, um, and we have this page called Sermon Notes for Kids. And what it does is it helps kids sit in the service and listen to whoever's preaching, probably Eric, and get something out of it. So who's speaking? Uh, words you heard but you don't know is a place. So the sheet has these, these questions on it. It has these questions on it. Your favorite song today. Uh, what are we learning about God from this passage that we're in? Um, That's you know, great. I think my daughters would love something like that. And we are going to start having them this Sunday, both Sunday morning and Sunday evening, so that your kids can uh, have something to help them facilitate taking something home. There's there's for younger kids, you can draw a picture of something that was talked about in the sermon. You can write questions down. And how does today's sermon apply to your life? Just something to help kids start to grasp so you're a PK, how to listen to a you're sermon. you're a PK, Michael. Did you grow up sitting in big church? Since kindergarten. And do you know? Do you know look what? At the, look at the but, result. But we had what a fine product of sitting in church <laughs> from a young age. We we had two services at that church, yeah. and um, when when we moved to Orange, we had three services, and so I got to go to Sunday school, and I didn't miss out there and be in church. So it's yeah, hard if your everything. kids really feel like they're missing out on something so special like Sunday school. Yeah. Um, but the first time my dad brought me into church, he said, "Once you guys are in kindergarten, once you're five or whatever." You're going to sit in big church with us in one of the services. You know what? I looked over and I told him. Oh, yeah. I I've looked over <laughs> at my dad, my poor dad, and I said, you're the worst dad ever. I hate you. <laughs> so do have not. Have you repented of that since? I, you know, I don't remember <laughs> it. I've told him sorry, and I've expressed greatly my thankfulness um, for him teaching me what it really meant so to So you're saying there church. might be some resistance from your children my, when you try to do my this. My dad uses this as an illustration often, and he encourages parents with it by saying, hey, there will be resistance. Your kids might not like it um, because it's not going to be their inclination. It's, it feels more grown up. Yeah. So oftentimes it's geared more towards grown ups. Um, if your kid's unregenerate, they might hate it even more. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you from personal experience, a great benefit learning mm-hmm. to be a part of the whole body that way. Um, you know what? Even thankful if, for that. Even if you never really learn anything from the sermon, if you're a kid and the sermon's a little over your head, you can't understand what he's saying, or you have a hard time finding where it is in the Bible. Um, even if that's the case, when a, when a little kid sits in there and watches dad or mom sing their hearts out mm-hmm. to the Lord in genuine worship. And the little kid watches mom or dad turn in the pages of their Bibles to find what's there, eagerly listening, taking notes, absorbing it because they want it. And then going over 
lunch talking over some of the things they're learning and what the Lord is teaching them. That is so powerful. The cumulative effect of that on a kid's life when they watch mom and dad love the Lord and, and want to know his word, that'll stay with them for, for their lives. Oh, completely. completely. Even if they don't remember a single sermon, the, the fact that they see my dad loves the church, mm-hmm. that, that rubs, tends to rub off. Yeah. It's a great facilitator for conversation too. Mm-hmm. If you just ask your kids anything about the service, they, you guys were both in it together and you can then share conversation over it later. Yeah. So this is not an easy thing. It's no. not like we think this is going to be a walk in the park. We're really asking parents to kind of gear up and get ready for some of the battles that go along with that. But to do so, uh, just praying for and anticipating God to bear fruit in that effort to disciple their your kids. Yeah. And, and know that it will feel probably at some point you'll think, oh, no, my kid's doing this or they're squirming. Everyone's looking at them. Everyone's looking at this kid. Eric yeah. can't preach because my kid's squirming or whatever. Know that everyone here and we want to see your kids succeed in that. And we want to see you succeed in parenting your kids. And so there's no judgment there. Kids are kids. Things happen. And just we're going to smile with you. And we'll look back and laugh on it with you when something yeah. goes silly. Yeah. We hope don't, our church don't feel bad about those things. Yeah. Our our church members do need to feel a little bit of the weight of responsibility in raising up another generation. And like one simple and easy way to do that is just to be totally okay with parents, even assisting them in whatever little ways you can to help them uh, disciple their kids in the in the worship services. Yeah, we will be so understanding for any silly kid hiccups that happen during church. Oh yeah, we're yeah, totally. Totally. No, no judgment there. Um, yeah, so give it a shot if you've not tried it before. Embrace the challenge. Moms and dads, pray a lot. <laughs> Use it as an opportunity to disciple your kids. Try to engage them in discussion. Um, and we'll be praying along with you for your kids. Talking about Sunday service, we are in Jonah still this week. We're hopping into chapter three. That's right. That's what do we right. got? What do we got going on this Sunday? Jonah's going to Nineveh finally. Took him long enough. Yeah, had to get swallowed by a fish to finally turn himself around and get going there. So he goes to Nineveh. He walks into Nineveh in chapter three, preaches this sermon. Here's his sermon. Ready? Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Shortest sermon ever. In Hebrew, guess how many words? Oh, man. Come on. Um, six. Five. Oh, I almost said five. <laughs> A five-word sermon. And the response in verse five is this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. So... What's that, like two words? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how many that is in Hebrew. So they believe. They hear. What's fascinating to me about this, the sermon has nothing about God, nothing about repentance, nothing about believing, but they take it as a word from God, not just a word from Jonah, and they believe God and they repent. And God, in verse 10, then sees their repentance and relents from the disaster that he was 
he was going to do to them. So this is one of those those parts of the Bible that um, people just, if you read it with an unbelieving heart, hmm. you'll just go, yeah, there's no way that really happened. That's crazy. It's actually, there's a lot of things in Jonah. Like, like all, of, <laughs> all of Jonah can be yeah. discounted that way if you are unbelieving. Yeah. Um, but this is a testimony to the power of God to absolutely turn around um, people's hearts from sin and rebellion to himself. Jesus even talks about these, these people, these Ninevites, um, rising up to judge an unbelieving generation because something greater than Jonah is there and they didn't believe. And so this, this repentance in Nineveh is a genuine turnaround, a genuine repentance where the grace of God just uh, totally saves them. And, and one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about, like, how amazing would it be to have some sort of revival like that? Incredible. Could you, could you imagine this? And the people of Rancho Cucamonga believed God. Like, what would that even look like? It, it would be pretty amazing. And you have to ask, okay, Jonah, was it because he was a great preacher? <laughs> was it because he was a great pastor? Was it because of that amazing sermon that he preached? Five words. None of the above. It's because God is a great God. And so I'm just, as I, one of the things I'm reflecting on, and we're going to talk about many different things in the text, but one of the things I've been reflecting on is God is so free in his sovereign grace to save whom he pleases, when he pleases, how he pleases, um, that he could even save a whole city of wicked people and turn them around and change a generation um, if he desires hmm. at, the, at the preaching of a disobedient prophet. Could God do that with us today? Completely. Yes. Yes. We don't have any promise that he will. We have no promise that God will do something this dramatic in our day and age, in our city, in our community. We have no promise at all. Um, we do believe the word is powerful. We do believe it doesn't return void. It is accomplishing its work. But we have no promise that such a revival like what happened in Nineveh could take place. However, can, can we ask? Yeah, and it, and it ought to give us confidence yeah. in this great God that can do this work to pray and to tell. Let's, it, like, let's take this as a nudge to pray bigger prayers and not be thinking that God's unkind if he doesn't answer our prayer for revival. But let's at least, at least see that, wow, our God has done this in Scripture and throughout history. You think Great Awakening and various revivals in different parts of the world, yeah. those have happened. Like, let's, can we ask? Like, can we at least just say, hey, God, would you do this? Um, He's done it before. For your great name and, and for, your, for the advance of your gospel. Uh, let's, let's ask. He can. He's able. Um, you know, so, but we, but we do talk about a different kind of revival every once in a while. The, inc the incremental revival. Incremental revival. So, what, what is, what do you, how do you define the incremental revival? The incremental revival is that revival which isn't necessarily always sudden, but is sparked by person to person, small conversations interactions um, that essentially are just discipling in nature, pointing yeah. others to Christ, doing spiritual good for them, um, 
And that, over time, brings revival because of the spiritual fruit that it brings in pointing people to Christ. And as you get that happening, more and more people catch on fire and... You've now you've got a large group of people as these interactions have taken place that are all pursuing Christ wholeheartedly, are preaching the gospel. You have people maybe even being saved through that, and you have this spiritual fervor revival because of those small moments where people were faithful. Yeah, I just like I would love if our church just everyone said, "What's my next step? Like, what is a, a next step of obedience that I could take to to Jesus or of service?" Uh, to other people that would help them grow in their their walk or help them follow Jesus. And if everyone just took the next step, took one bold move in a direction of obedience that they'd never taken before, um, whether it's in their prayer life to pray more faithfully for their church, family, or for their neighbors, whether it's in their Bible reading to be more consistent in learning scripture and applying it, or whether it's in in their you know, discipling, what if they made a phone call and said, set up a lunch with someone and decided to just listen and ask good questions? Those are all just little steps that any one of us could make that cumulatively over the, the months, if we just did little steps forward like that, we would, I think, contribute to a, a growing wave of obedience that who knows what the Lord might use um, for his glory. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, Grace Rancho. Let's. Let's do it. And as we do, let's take communion. We're doing it this we're Sunday. Doing this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, let's take communion and look forward while we do it. Look forward to Christ's return. The, the, the supper, in a, in a way, as Jesus taught, reminds us of the supper we'll have in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The, the bread and the cup are a little foretaste of the divine um, world of heaven where we are promised to, to eat and drink with, with Jesus. He said, I, I won't partake of these things until I eat them again in the kingdom of heaven. Um, so w- this world is broken. You know, watch the news, read Twitter, maybe stay off Twitter. Twitter's stay, a don't go on Twitter. dumpster fire. Well, just don't go on the news outlet or theological Twitter. Both of those will just do you harm. <laughs> But that indicates like how broken this world is. But there's a world coming that's not broken, totally pure, totally holy. Um, in the communion, as we take it together, it's a reminder of that. Hmm. So that's a great thought. That's a um, it is yes, it's reminding us of the cross, but it's also reminding us of the meal that we eat in heaven with Christ um, in the new heavens and new earth. What a good thing. We are excited to take communion with you um, and to worship alongside you through the word and through song this Sunday. We will see you then. We'll see you then. 